But let's begin with prayer. Would you join me? Uh, Gracious Father, this Lenten season, as we open your word, we humbly ask you to grow our prayer life. Empower us to see the great gift you've given to all of us who follow Jesus. Today, as we focus on the reality of life in your kingdom, may that reality of our citizenship inspire us to pray for the ministry of your church and your work in the lives of others. I ask that the words of my mouth, that the meditations of our hearts would all be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock, our redeemer, our king. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, I'd like to begin by, um, as we get into this message, sharing uh, four truths about prayer uh, that God has taught me over these 71 years of life. And I do pray that he's not done teaching me. And um, I want to begin with a verse in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. R.J. took us to that verse back when we began this Lenten journey on prayer. But uh, this verse means a lot to me about learning to pray. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, and then he gave them the Lord's Prayer. Um, I was a classroom teacher for 10 years before I came on staff here at Faith, and um, I taught New Testament and church history and family life. And there were many days when there were a lot of cerebral questions in class. Um, what I always longed for was when a student would ask a heartfelt question, a heartfelt question, something for their heart. And I do believe that when this disciple asked, Lord, teach us to pray, that was a heartfelt question, a heartfelt question. Um, and if, this, that your, if that's your prayer, I want you to hear in real simple words what Jesus said. When you pray, say. Um, I'd like you to think about this, that what Jesus was teaching his disciples is you learn to pray by praying. You learn to pray by praying. Um, I know that uh, when I take my, talk to my grandkids about fishing, they learn a whole lot more about fishing when they go fishing. They learn a whole lot more about baiting a hook instead of me talking about it when they actually bait the hook. They learn a lot more about casting when they cast instead of me talking about it. Jesus did not give that disciple a seminar. He didn't give them a uh, sermon. He didn't give them a long teaching. He gave them a prayer. And and for me personally, um, that has meant the world to me. So I wanna take the Lord's Prayer and start praying. Now, the second thing that, that God has taught me is this, and this actually came through um, my wife. She was reading a book, and her and I were talking. It could be as much as 30 years ago. Okay, so what I'm gonna share with you, this has been on my heart. It's been a learning process over these last 20, 30 years, and it's to use the Lord's Prayer as a prayer outline, as a prayer outline. Taking each petition and praying under each petition the prayers of my day. Now, I have a little booklet. Um, that booklet's available back at the Welcome Center. Um, <clears throat> I'm not trying to sell the book, it's free. Um, and I've got my little booklet. 
And I write in my little booklet my prayers for each petition. And you can see if you're really interested in it, you can actually go to a time I taught on this in our Monday Bible study this past year on, in December. Uh, you'll find it under Luke chapter 11. You'll find all the information on the website if you're interested. Um, but I'm not here to take you through all of that. I want to share with you the lesson that I learned over these years of praying the Lord's Prayer petition by petition. And it's that it's more intercessory prayer than it is personal prayer. If you look at my prayer book, you find out that I'm praying for other people more than I'm praying for myself. Are there prayers for myself? Yes. But there's something about each petition where you think about the lives of people God has given you to love, to serve, people you know, your neighbors, your friends. Um, just like under a petition like, hallowed be thy name. Um, I always tell in the premarital class we go through this and I tell you, your, your wedding day, isn't that something in which you want God to be honored in? And you can pray for that. That on that wedding day, God himself will be honored. So you can take each petition that, that, that today what we're going to do is we're going to take the petition, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. Because that to me is a true intercessory prayer where I'm praying for God to work his works through the church. And it's not just Faith Lutheran Church. It's like Trinity Utica and Trinity Clinton where my grandchildren all go to church. Uh, it's through our Missouri Synod. It's through all the area Christian churches. It's through the churches worldwide. Um, now, I'll tell you this, over the years, I may have learned some things, but I can tell you this, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I, I know that in the um, Bible, there's 400 different times that there are examples of prayer or teachings on prayer. So that tells me prayer matters. And then when I hear the simple words of Jesus, where if you take the original language, he's actually saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He's the one who told us to do that. And so I want to do what Jesus teaches one of his followers, what teaches me as a follower, teaches you as a follower. I want to pray. I want to pray. Now, the next thing I'd like to take you to that uh, has meant a lot to me over the years is a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And you can see there I have a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, this book was written to Jewish people, obviously. They lived in a culture. Uh, when they went to the temple and experienced worship there, uh, they were used to certain things. Uh, when you and I walk in here, we're used to certain things, right? If something's different, it feels different. Doesn't feel like the same place. Um, we know that when Jesus died, the veil that kept the Ark of the Covenant hidden behind the Holy of Holies was torn. And you get this picture of access. Uh, we know that in the Old Testament times before Jesus, up until the times of Jesus, one person once a year got to see that. One person once a year got to go to the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you look at that verse, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace. That's where the picture of the Ark of the Covenant comes in. This little spot right here between the cherubim in the Jewish mind, that's where God had spoken to Moses in the book of Exodus from. And their vision was that was where God was, his throne of grace. It was also called his mercy seat. 
And so what I like to think about is this, I'm invited as a Christian. Now the high priest could only go there once a year with the sins of Israel, the blood of the goat, put it on that altar, put it on that ark to redeem the people. But now you and I, every day, everywhere, any place, when we pray, we are literally going to that most holy place in the mind of the writer of Hebrews. He says, let us then approach God's throne of grace. And knows that phrase with what? With confidence. I love that. With confidence. So that we may receive mercy. Um, if that high priest had not gone through the proper cleansing exercises and rituals and sacrifices in the Old Testament, they believed they would die in the presence of that ark. They burned incense just outside of the ark in the holy place because they were concerned about actually even seeing it. And now the Bible invites Christ's followers to be able to go to that place, lay our prayers, lay our prayers for our loved ones. I love the picture when I'm praying for somebody, I am literally laying them on that throne of grace. And then it says that we will find grace and help in time of our need. So over the years I've learned that if I want to learn to pray, Harry, start praying. Um, what's helped me is using the Lord's Prayer petitions as kind of that mentor that goes with me in prayer. Um, praying like that has moved my heart more to intercessory prayer. And I love to keep this vision of my prayers at that place and how special it is that we get to do that as people. What I'd like to do now is just talk about that petition, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. I want to answer three questions. We're going to spend the most time on the first question, what is God's kingdom? Just like for me, prayer is a mystery. This concept of God's kingdom to me is also a mystery. I want to talk about what does it mean then to me personally what does it mean, the kingdom of God on a personal level, and how does that affect my intercessory prayer for people? Um, you know, what I love about the internet is you can get a hold of resources really quick, and you can type in there's some really good Bible research places, and you ask the question, uh, how many times do the Gospels use the phrase kingdom of God? And what pops up is 160. I haven't counted them, trust me. But you know what hit my heart when I read that? John said in his gospel at the very end, if everything Jesus had said and done were written, all the books in the world could not hold it. So if our short little gospels, we have 160 times, Jesus takes his disciples into the mindset of teaching them about the kingdom. Doesn't it tell you there's something very powerful about that? I like to think that in my prayers and the Lord's Prayer and all the petitions matter, but that one, thy kingdom come, that is absolutely a powerful picture. When John the Baptist began his ministry uh, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, it says his words there, what he said in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, when you're reading Matthew's gospel, you're going to find that phrase a lot more than kingdom of God because Matthew's written to Jewish people, but in the Jewish mindset, the kingdom of heaven is where God reigns and rules. It's now. It's now. The kingdom of heaven. Future, yes, but God reigns and rules now. Jesus begins his ministry in the gospel of Mark. 
And in Mark, Jesus says the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And then throughout the gospels, you're gonna find it. And then in Acts chapter one, verse three, when Luke talks about Jesus' final time with the disciples, he says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And look at that last line. What did he speak about during those 40 days? He spoke to them about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. My concern for myself and for us as Christians, and sometimes the, the world sees it this way, we're almost presenting a picture like the Pharisees struggled with as Christians. And maybe my mind sometimes thinks this way too. In, the, in, in uh, Luke chapter 17, it says, once I'm being asked by the Pharisees, and notice that phrase, when. When. When is the kingdom of God going to come? Because in the mind of the people of that day, and I understand it, they're occupied by Rome. They have no freedom outside of what Rome gives them. Rome controls everything. They want God to establish his final kingdom now. So they're thinking final kingdom. They're thinking the time where David's reign and rule, that picture image of peace, prosperity, everything is great, creation is the way it's supposed to be. The lion will lie down with the lamb, that Isaiah said, this picture of creation and unity. That's what they wanted. They're asking Jesus, when's it gonna happen? Notice what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is what? It's in your midst. There's something happening now. We, we can kind of um, get an attitude as Christians, and sometimes what I don't want to portray to anybody is this. Christianity loves the bumper sticker. We used to love it in the 80s. I don't know if you ever had this one in your car. If you did, I forgive you, and I forgive myself. Uh, we had it in our garage, in our house, on the wall. It said, beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up, Scotty. In other words, I've had enough, right? Get me out of here. Beam me up. Well, if the kingdom of God is now, that doesn't sound like the attitude Jesus was teaching his disciples. Jesus did not pray to the Father in John 17, Lord, Father, take them out of this world. Instead, he said, protect them from the evil one. And then he talked about that we would have unity so much that people would meet him and know him and know his love. That was his prayer. He wants to use us. We're here to live in that kingdom and to grow that kingdom in our lifetime. Um, I like to use this expression. Uh, our grandkids will use it, I'm sure, in the car at times with their parents. I used to use it when I was a kid. You're on vacation and you're in the back seat. What do you say? Are we there yet? That's the same attitude, right? Are we there yet? Picture living every day this week, like are we there yet versus eternity is now in session. God is with me. I am in his presence. Uh, he is my king. I am in his kingdom. That's a whole different way of living. Jesus said in John 17, verse three, he said, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When does eternity begin for us? When we know Jesus, as we get to know him better. Eternity is now in session for us as Christians. What Jesus is talking about, he's talking about life on this earth, to know the Father, to know the Father. 
So the kingdom living is a participatory experience now. It's a, it's a life of interchange. It's a life having purpose and meaning. We serve the king in his kingdom on a daily basis. Uh, back in the 70s when I was doing youth ministry, um, there was a book that came out written for teenagers. It was a study on the book of Romans. And I loved the title that the author had. It was entitled, Your Faith is More Than Fire Insurance. Your faith is more than fire insurance. Because when you read Romans, there's a whole lot of kingdom living stuff in that book. Uh, Paul, when he concluded the book right near the end in Romans 14, he said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. There are great privileges and blessings living in that kingdom in a world that's not the way it's supposed to be. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Romans 1.17, I'm gonna walk through a few verses from Romans. Righteous will live by faith now. I'm adding that word that's not in the text. That's when we live by faith, right? We're in the kingdom now. Being fully persuaded, Paul says in Romans 4.21, God had the power to do what he had promised. That's our kingdom living. That was Abraham in, in Romans 4. You and I can live with the confidence that God is a God who keeps his promises. Romans 5.5, 5, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. Living a life of hope inside the kingdom of God. Lord, help me project that to future generations. Help me to project that to my neighbors, my loved ones. Um, we all know as Christians, there is a constant attack from Satan in this world. We know that. He's powerful. The apostle Paul says he's the prince of the ruler of the air. He has rule and reign. He gives energy to things on this earth. He's done it throughout history. He's doing it again. He keeps giving his energy and works his works through that. But you and I, as citizens of the kingdom of God, I want to say greater is he that's what? In me than he that's in the world. That's kingdom, kingdom living. Romans 6 verse 4, we were there for, buried with him through baptism and a death. It can begin in that relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins in the period where you're baptized into his name. Um, for me, I've had the privilege of living there 71 years. I don't know what it's like to live outside of that kingdom. Some of you do. Some of you do. And you know what it's like. And you want to share that story with others. Okay, I can share the story of what it's like to have a lifetime of blessing living in that kingdom. Um, so I'm with Christ. At the very end, he says that we too may live what? A new life. A new life. It's a new week. It's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. We get to live a new life inside the kingdom of God. In Romans 8, 28, life in his kingdom. We are un under his lordship. And because of that, we know that in all things, God works for good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Even in a creation that groans waiting for his return. Romans 12, 12, Paul says to the Christians, living in his kingdom, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer, faithful in prayer. So when we're praying, thy kingdom come, I want you to think about this. If we're living in his kingdom, then there is a king. There is a king. 
And if he's the king, it's his reign and it's his rule. If there's a king, it's his provision, it's his protection, it's his love, it's his care. It's his life, it's his mission, it's his ministry. Life in the kingdom of God. When John Ortberg wrote a book, it's actually entitled Eternity is Now in Session. I love that book. Um, He tells these stories, I'd like you to picture this. The kingdom of God, he says, every time you are in conflict with someone and you want to hurt them, gossip about them, avoid them, but instead you go to, go to them and seek reconciliation and forgiveness. I love this phrase. The kingdom of God is breaking into this world. That's kingdom life. Every time you have a chunk of money and you decide to give specifically, sacrificially to somebody who is hungry or homeless or poor, the kingdom of God is breaking into this world. And every time somebody who has an addiction and wants to partner with God so badly, they're willing to stop hiding, acknowledge the truth, get help from a loving community, the kingdom is breaking into this world. And every time a workaholic parent decides to stop idolizing their job, rearranges their life to begin to love and care for little children trusted them, the kingdom of God is breaking into this world. We live with the king. We have a privilege to bring his kingdom into this world through our lives. And I love what Jesus told his disciples. Last words in Gospel of Matthew, all authority is given to me. We live under that kind of a king, under his authority, under his power. Now, the second thing I want you to think about then, if all that's true, and we're just glancing on the surface of kingdom living, what does it mean to me personally? And I can tell you this, even when I was writing this sermon, the first thing I thought about is, Lord, I don't live that way every day. I don't have that mindset, I don't have that attitude. Lord, I need you to forgive me. You've got to forgive me. Here I am praying thy kingdom come. Lord, forgive me when I lose sight of living in your kingdom. And then the second thing I hear right away is, Harry, you're still invited to that mercy seat. You're still welcome there because of Jesus. And then what happens, in all honesty, is it really encourages me to pray. Thy kingdom come. I want the power of that Holy Spirit so that I can continue to know Jesus. I want on a personal level to know his peace and his power. I'm asking him to use the talents he's given me, the resources he's given my life, the days, the moments he allows me to live, that it could all serve him. The last thing I want to think about, and this is what really touches my heart then, this last thing about the kingdom. We have the privilege to pray for that kingdom to invade the lives of other people, to cover the lives of people we love, to move through his church and his ministries. We have that privilege to intercede and to pray those prayers at that throne of grace. I mean, I'd like to just picture the prayers of Faith Lutheran Church just loaded up on that ark. You know, I'd like, you know, you and I to picture that as people pray for us, we're on that ark. We're on that mercy seat. And God's in charge and he's going to take care of us. There is power in that picture of praying, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Praying over the lives of those he's given your life to serve. Praying over his church and his ministry. What happens for me in my little prayer book um, the secretaries know I'm not the neatest writer, but 
honest, you know, on my page of Thy Kingdom Come, you all can't see it. I'm not trying to brag. I've been doing this 20, 30 years, okay? The more I pray this, the more people get on that list. Um, in my little Krupski clan, there's 19 of us. How often does my family need that prayer for God's reign and rule over their lives? Besides those 19, you know, each of my children have married, so now I've got in-law families. I've got those people out there. And then I go into my extended family, and I counted them up this morning. There was 56 of them. You know, brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, nephews, nieces, their children now. Then I got a whole column of friends and their families. I got 46, I have all initials. There's no, <laughs> no room for names. I mean, you think about, see, I always picture, they talk about how Jesus prayed all night. Now, when you get older like me and you're working part-time, you have more time for prayer, right? Um, we're not, we don't have the kids running around the house, but you know what I found out? That um, obviously there's times I can open my book and do it, but there's other days where I'm driving, I can do it then. God's protected me. <laughs> but I can take each of the prayers of the Lord's Prayer and pray that intercessory prayer for them. Um, it is a tremendous privilege to have that gift that God has given to you and to me. Listen to the words of Samuel. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Can you hear his heart? And then in Luke, Jesus said this, and I love this prayer. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That verse gives me so much peace when I'm praying for so many people on my prayer page that are not following Jesus today. And I know I'm not gonna be the one to reach him, but I know God can and I know God cares. Then Paul wrote these words to Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority. And I love this last line. This is good, and what does it do? It pleases God our Savior. Because what does he want? He wants everyone to be saved, and he wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth.